At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Oh, now the deep state has done it. Now the deep state has made its 27-dimensional chess move to cement the place of the conspiracy, and it will be left only to a few patriots and the Dilbert guy to carry the torch of truth and bad comic strips alone and at great risk to themselves and, and in the darkness, which at least explains why Dilbert was such a bad comic strip. We, the where we go round the mulberry bush, we all go round the mulberry bush crowd. We knew it was the Matrix and we red-pilled or we blue-pilled. I can never keep that straight. But we knew it didn't add up because Ray Epps had never been charged. And now... Those evil, genius, deep state bastards have charged Ray Epps. He could get a suspended sentence and a $500 fine. Do you know how much money $500 is? No, I'm asking, do you? Because a lot of us here in QAnon land, we have problems with simple math like that. Is $500 like more than a million or... As you know, January 6th was orchestrated by Nancy Pelosi to increase the viewership of her daughter's HBO documentary about Nancy Pelosi. And it was executed by George Soros, Ray Epps, Liz Cheney, Jeffrey Epstein, who you only think is dead and you only think is pronounced Epstein, Jane Fonda, Hunter Biden, Antifa and its head, that actress Queen Antifa, and Brian Stelter, and John Fetterman and John Fetterman's body double replacement. Not the original one, but the new one with the better ears. It was a conspiracy so vast that only when two superheroes from different Marvel universes joined forces, Kevin McCarthy, the greatest speaker of the House of Representatives in the last eight months, and Tucker Carlson. Remember Tucker Carlson? 
Only when they joined forces was this evil exposed. The video proves this. Plus, on Twitter, the video, it's been seen well over 11 billion times. The conspiracy to frame Donald Trump. How could he hate America? He has a flag. He hugs the flag. And he has a baseball cap that not only says America, but also says great. The conspiracy to frame this God is the greatest conspiracy in the history of the world, and it was designed to make it look like Trump lost the 2020 election and to destroy John Voight's chances of winning a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Oscars and to make Joe Rogan look stupid. Well, more stupid. And then when the leak happened, the provocateur, the FBI plant who started it all, who years ago joined the Oath Keepers and rose through the ranks for that one moment, the mole, the man whose fault it all is, Ray Epps. He's the one who talked all the Trump supporters into going into the Capitol, even though the other part of this conspiracy tells us that everybody who went into the Capitol was Antifa. When it was revealed by the investigative team of Maria Bartiromo and Cat Turd, that the feds left one nearly invisible loose thread, that the deep state claimed Ray Epps was not a plant, yet they never charged Ray Epps when they saw they had left that one thread and it was being pulled on. Suddenly, suddenly yesterday, suddenly the feds charged Ray Epps. And the masterminds behind this vast, earth-shattering conspiracy decided to cover their tracks and silence all protest forever by charging him with one misdemeanor count of disruptive conduct, and he's pleading guilty today. Because, yeah, yeah, it's all a plot to make Trump look bad. Like he isn't the greatest asset we have in making himself look bad. And we, the vast left-wing conspiracy, we thought we would just shut all the talk about it being a conspiracy down by charging Ray Epps with one count, which could see him find nearly $500. Nothing to see here, right-wingers. Move on. And yet there it is, across right-wing Looney Tunes land, the utter conviction, the absolute certainty from each of them that they and they alone have noticed that Epps was only charged with one negligible offense and seemingly already made a plea deal and that the rest of the world did not notice. Everybody but Cat Turd, who valiantly stood up and braved probably assassination by typing, you're not fooling anyone, feds. And, and, and of course, also the other one who noticed was Michael T-47, proud Navy vet, who alone, well, other than cat turd, deduced that Epps got a fine and a misdemeanor. Wake up, it was staged. And you sit and you wonder, okay, I get how you could be so stupid as to think Trump did not incite the insurrection on January 6th didn't depend upon it happening, didn't lead it from behind. I get that. To go on believing in this utter fraud 
you have to have some kind of conspiracy theory. But how could you go beyond that level of stupidity into an utterly different universe of stupidity in which the grand conspiracy that fooled hundreds of millions of people, not just here, but around the world, which is flat. The grand conspiracy included somebody who said, and then our endgame, George, is we find Ray Epps 500 fish and the conspiracy is erased forever. Checkmate, cat turd. Yeah, yeah. QAnoners and Trumpists and people who think James Woods was a great actor. You got us. We thought if we staged this thing where Mr. Epps, and honestly, I'm surprised you missed our little Easter egg clue in there. Epps? Epstein? Am I right? We thought if we staged this thing where, uh, to call him by his correct name, Commander Epps of the interstellar Sorosian Empire, agreed to submit himself briefly to earthly justice and to be charged with misdemeanor disruptive conduct here on Earth. $500, up to 90 days in jail. Do the math. Oh, sorry. Not 90 days is like three months, depending on which months you pick. Yeah, I, I know they don't all have the same number of days. I, I get confused, too. Not just you. We thought if we did that, you all would never notice. And finally, this thing could be put to bed and then it would be all over. And we would have made not just Trump look bad, but all Republicans look bad because Republicans are not making themselves look bad at the moment at all. We need a conspiracy right now to make the Republicans look bad because they couldn't pass any spending bills at all, even the one for the Pentagon. And just because an independent and freelance journalist named Matt Laszlo had to use the bathroom at the Capitol yesterday and the one he chose had a baby changing station and there on the right folded over was one sheet of paper and when Laszlo unfolded it, it read, 118th Congress, first session, House resolution, and then where the number goes after House resolution, it was blank, and then declaring the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant, followed by resolution declaring the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant, followed by resolved that the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant, and oh, by the way, upper left corner on this one page, found at the baby changing station is the printer code and it reads g colon backslash m backslash one eight backslash gates backslash gates again underscore one nine four dot xml a reporter found a motion to vacate that had been printed by gates and left at a baby changing station in the capital a motion to oust Kevin McCarthy as speaker, printed by Gates. Which baby was being changed? Was it Bobert or was it Marjorie Taylor Greene? Hours 
after Punchbowl News had scooped that you should expect a motion to vacate sometime this week, hours after Congressman Ken Buck said there really would not be a move to actually oust Kevin McCarthy unless he went to the Democrats for help passing a continuing resolution. And then Ken Buck said they really did need to pass a continuing resolution. He didn't see how it could happen unless McCarthy goes to the Democrats for help. Hmm. Matt, what happened to your motion to vacate? I thought we were doing it this week. I don't know. I must have left it somewhere. I mean, I retraced my steps. I only made my usual stops yesterday. Gun polishing machine, hair wax dispenser on the third floor. Uh, I stopped by the local high school cheerleaders practice. Baby changing station where I get all my ideas. And of course, I went to my secret daily meeting with Commander Epps of the Interstellar Sarosian Empire. Oh, the Republicans are stupid. Thank God. Four out of ten union households voted Republican in 2020 in the presidential election. So they asked this bonehead presidential wannabe Senator Tim, I'm not fooling anybody, Scott, about the UAW strike, and he said he believed all strikers should be fired, just like Reagan did to the federal employees in 1981. Uh, golly, I, I didn't know the auto workers were federal employees, Tim. Did your girlfriend tell you that? Trump has attacked Biden again, but something has newly occurred to him. And which one of them is mentally unfit to be president or too old for something like, I don't know, remembering last week? I ask, he wrote, why hasn't the Republican Party begun the process? of invoking the 25th Amendment against Biden. And I mean, it's it's academic, I know. But just this once, I feel like I really need to know if, after all the talk that the 25th Amendment might be invoked against him when he was president, I mean, it registered enough with him that he seems to have remembered that it is a process, and it is the 25th, and in fact, it is invoked I really need to know, since he remembered all that, if he's too dumb to realize that the presidential cabinet invokes the 25th Amendment, not Congress, Congress wouldn't get involved until later, or he's just in his usual stance that his supporters are too dumb to realize that the presidential cabinet and not the Congress invokes the 25th Amendment. Right that Biden should be removed under the 19th Amendment, you can hear Trump saying. And Walt Nauta, double shifting as secretary to cover his legal bills, says, but Mr. Almighty President, your highness, the 19th Amendment was the one that gave women the right to vote. And Trump says, what's the difference? These morons were dumb enough to vote for me. How are they going to know which amendment is which? In fact, don't even write amendment. Write Agamemnon. Call it the 19th Agamemnon. See if anybody notices. See if that idiot cat turd notices. Lastly, on this topic, last night, all but three Republican senators wrote to Majority Leader Schumer about the nation's grave crisis, the casual attire in the Senate scandal, allowing casual clothing on the Senate floor disrespects the institution we serve and the American families we represent wrote Senator Rick Scott, 
every day goes onto the Senate floor dressed like Voldemort from Harry Potter. Rick Scott, whose campaign website is still up and shows him wearing a light blue plaid work shirt and a baseball cap and whose party is run by a guy who wears a different colored baseball cap and bronzer and sprays his hair with gold rustoleum number 245221. Let us give thanks Republicans are this dumb. Because, of course, Democrats are largely uninspired and incompetent. And if Republicans were not this dumb, I would be recording this in the salt mine I slaved in, and you would be listening to it in the one you slave in. Also of interest here, and I'm sorry if I'm a little wackier than usual, but the United Nations is here around my house and I walked among them for like three hours yesterday, and it's hard to believe that there could be a class of people more shocked and frozen in place by tall buildings and traffic and dogs on leashes. More shocked by that than the regular tourists of this town, but the UN staffers, they are that group. And we block all the streets off for them. I guess so, they don't disappear into the ether while trying to decipher our parking and no parking signs and regulations. Anywho, so they fired a teacher for reading the diary of Anne Frank to her eighth graders. That's next. This is Countdown. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Wait, who was that? I don't... Who was that? Still ahead on Countdown. I'll tell you later. Good day to tell again my favorite near-death experience. 
at the hands of an ex-president of CNN and MSNBC. My least favorite near-death experience is UN Week. Surprisingly enough, this man was the only one of my former bosses to actually try to kill me. So far, things I promise not to tell coming up first time for the Daily Roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons from the U.S. Worst persons in the world. The bronze to Peter Baker of the New York Times. Pete is having quite the week. On Sunday, it was he who was chosen to appear on Meet the Press after Kristen Welker ended her career by treating Trump like somebody Dateline was doing a feature on because he had invented a new mascara for men and it had caused blindness. Yesterday, Peter Baker was on MSNBC Dayside, home of various anchors whose contracts have not yet expired, explaining that one of the things making President Biden's job more difficult at the moment was, quote, a tough column by David Ignatius. Now that name, David Ignatius, that might ring a distant bell for you. I sort of knew who he was. He's the guy who always wrote in the post about how wonderful the CIA is. And of course, as everybody at home knows, he once won the prestigious Gerald Loeb Award for Distinguished Financial Journalism. Gerald Loeb was a founding partner of E.F. Hutton, so you can guess that the award usually goes to somebody who writes something on the lines of money is good. Spend your life trying to accumulate your share and that of as many of your rivals as you can manage. E.F. Hutton says the idea that President Biden's job is affected by a tough column by David Ignatius is a hilarious and desperate piece of self-justification by Peter Baker. I mean, do you think when I did the original special comments, I thought that George Bush gave a damn about what I was saying? Good God. And I was on TV. Biden's job is not affected by any David Ignatius column, tough or otherwise. Biden's job is not affected by whether or not there is a David Ignatius. But a guy from the New York Times thinks the column from the Washington Post is decisive. I mean, I guess I should count my blessings here that a Times guy thinks a column from the Washington Post matters to the president. Usually, Times guys only think columns in the Times matter to the president. The runner-up, Trump. This is besides the usual serious crap. This is just the stupid stuff he says, and not enough people point and go, isn't he too old and too brain-addled and too demented? and too stupid and too bumbling and too given to malapropisms and too incapable of spelling to be president. He was asked about Governor Christy Nome of South Dakota. North Dakota? Christy Nome is a governor from somewhere west of Cleveland. Christy Nome is still being mentioned as a potential vice presidential pick even after it was revealed that she's been carrying on an affair with Corey Lewandowski, the former Trump campaign manager and sexual harasser and woman shover. Trump did not stop by our planet Earth before he offered his comment on Get Christy Gnome's Love. Quote, She's been a great governor. She gave me a full-throated endorsement. <sighs> Thank God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Full-throated endorsement. It's okay. But the winner, Dwayne Augustine. I mean, I thought we were talking about Bobert here for a moment. Dwayne Augustine, superintendent of the Hampshire Fanet Independent School District in Texas. 
Independent is a brand name. Superintendent Augustine and his school district have fired an unidentified teacher after parent complaints that the teacher read a graphic novel to her eighth graders a week ago today. It contained references to sexuality originally written by a teenaged girl nearly 80 years ago. The school district is now investigating whether the book was approved by the principal, so she might be fired too. Quote, the reading of that content will cease immediately. Your student's teacher will communicate her apologies to you and your students soon, as she has expressed those apologies to us, wrote the head of communications for the school district, who obviously dropped out in the third grade. Your student's teacher will communicate her apologies as she is... What? Actually, the teacher is busy hiring a lawyer. And if our nation could hire a lawyer and sue the Hampshire Fanette Independent School District, it's between Beaumont and Houston. That'd be good, too, because the book the teacher was fired for reading was the graphic novel version of The Diary of Anne Frank. Because of the sexual content. The sexual content that 8th graders don't know about. Did anybody go to the 8th grade in, uh, in the Hampshire Finette Independent School District? I mean, obviously not the spokesman. But I mean, anybody remember the 8th grade? Middle of the 8th grade, one of my classmates dropped out because she was pregnant. Dwayne Augustine, superintendent of the Hampshire Finette Independent School District in Texas, who has no idea what eighth graders know about sex already, and who probably doesn't know who Anne Frank was, and has no idea that he is now part of the persecution of knowledge and should be banned from our educational system. I mean the one here on Earth. Today's worst person in the world! At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote
finally, our number one story in the countdown, things I promised not to tell, and back to my favorite topic, me. How exactly was I supposed to tell the police that the man threatening to kill me was the president of MSNBC? He was chasing me through the studios. He was too overweight to run. But even though he inexplicably lied and said he was six foot seven, at six foot five, this guy, his name was Rick Kaplan, and he was the soon to be ex president of MSNBC, just as he was already the ex president of CNN, he still had strides as long as my own. Plus, on that night of August 8th, 2005, I was multitasking. I was trying to mentally record everything he was shouting while also drawing him away from the live microphones of the live studio in which he had started shouting while also fishing for my office key so I could lock myself in there if need be while also figuring out how I would hit him if it came to that while also trying to register the superb double takes from my colleagues past whom he was stomping like an out of shape Frankenstein while also trying to suppress an overwhelming and seemingly inappropriate desire to burst into laughter while still game planning the soon-to-be inevitable call to the cops of beautiful downtown Secaucus, New Jersey. Uh, hi, yeah, yeah, he's, he's trying to kill me, my, my boss, the, the president of MSNBC. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the cable television network. Yeah, exact. Down the street from the London Fog Outlet store. Yep. One MSNBC Plaza. I know it's a dumb address. Uh, he's about 60, uh, 275, 280 pounds. By the way, he says he's six foot seven, but he's only six foot five. Why? Why does he lie about his height or why is he trying to kill? Uh, right. Well, I did a commentary urging the viewers to stop smoking and he's afraid of the mention of blood. Hello? Hello? As all of this played out in my head, President Kaplan was huffing and puffing his way through our giant studio, weaving through the news assignment area, past the makeup room, down the hallways nearing the offices of my show Countdown, and past the bank of a couple of hundred television monitors with a different face on every one of them, each seemingly staring slack-jawed at the executive's screaming threats at the only guy on his own network who got any ratings. I'll pay you back. <laughs> I'll get you. I'll finish you. I'll kill you. This had all begun roughly 10 days earlier, in late July 2005. An oral surgeon who had intended to examine a growth on the roof of my mouth had instead, with one pale look, silently betrayed his suspicion that it was cancerous, and he cut the whole thing out. I was on my way to work anyway, it was too late to get a replacement, and I was bleeding so much that our technical director and I decided to pre-record all of my on-camera segments for that night's show, thus reducing the chances of viewers hearing me say, President Bush today, while blood oozed out of my mouth, over my teeth and lips, and onto the desk, like I was Draculanker. When... The following Wednesday, I got the unexpected all clear from the surgeon's office. I decided to devote some of each night's newscast to a campaign to help viewers and myself quit smoking. My premise was a simple one that I had never heard argued before and have rarely heard argued since, that it would be a lot easier to quit if you didn't have cancer than if you did have cancer. 
I pitched my producers on the series. I went into Rick Kaplan's office to get his seal of approval. He was enthusiastic and supportive, and most rare of all, he was paying attention. And then I said I was also going to point out that if you got the good outcome like I had, they would merely stick a laser in your mouth and you'd smell your own flesh burning for like 48 hours, and you'd have to keep spitting out your own blood. Don't say that! He suddenly threw his meaty hands out towards me in a strangling gesture and then just as quickly clamped them over his own ears and closed his eyes and began actually screaming, no, 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 no. I thought he had gone crazy. As it proved, he was just practicing for going crazy later. I'm sorry, I'm squeamish. I get the point. I, I just can't handle references to, you know, uh, the, the red stuff. Go ahead with the series. Just just tone down the, uh, the red stuff. I toned down the red stuff, and my executive producer, Izzy Povich, sent him the scripts, and he told her to tone down the red stuff a little more, and I went and I did that, too. We all decided to start the anti-smoking series the following Monday, August 8th, 2005, by nauseating coincidence, that was the day after the ABC anchorman Peter Jennings had died of lung cancer. The MSNBC president had been a producer on Jennings' newscast. I had long since written and recorded Jennings' obituary, and now the somewhat cold but still journalistically valid segue would have to be made. We would have to go directly from the 12-minute-long Jennings obit to the start of our anti-tobacco campaign. Eight or nine minutes into that pre-recorded Jennings obituary, Rick Kaplan came out of his office and walked the 50 feet or so through the vast open newsroom to where my anchor desk was. His eyes were full of tears. This is wonderful, he said quietly. Peter would have liked this. He gave me a thumbs up. Then he walked to a second desk another 50 feet away where his first big hire, a woman named Rita Cosby, was about to premiere his first big gamble, her new show, immediately following mine. I was actually moved by Rick Kaplan's comment. I did not once think of phoning the Secaucus police. But then I began the anti-smoking segment, and as I focused on the camera and the teleprompter in front of me and detailed the blood and the gore and the spitting and how that was the good outcome, out of the corner of my eye, I saw this weird sight. The president again left his office and waddled out along the wall 30 feet ahead of me in the general direction of the control rooms. Within moments, as I continued to read my script, he was back in the studio and standing right next to my camera, gesticulating wildly. I said, they never say it, but wouldn't it be really easier to quit smoking when you didn't have cancer than when you did? And Kaplan responded with the same two-handed choking gesture he had made briefly in his office much earlier. I presumed there was some simple problem, like that the building was on fire, but I calculated that I could still make it to the show's scheduled finish time, 8.59.59 EDT, and still survive even if others perished. That's Countdown for this, the 830th day since the declaration of mission accomplished in Iraq. I'm Keith Olbermann. Good night and good luck. You son of a... Rick Kaplan suddenly screamed. From the other anchor desk, I could hear, and this is my impression of her, Good evening, I'm Rita Cosby. This is Rita Cosby, live and direct with Rita Cosby. And I'm Rita Cosby. She was not a big woman, but she had a voice on her like the horn on the Staten Island Ferry, if it had a cold. You are over the top! You are disgusting! My first thought was that Kaplan had forgotten that microphones 50 feet away were live during the premiere of his pet project. Shh! 
Rita is on. I actually whispered to him, silly me. I don't give a F if Rita is on. You were told by Izzy Povich that the piece was over the top and you needed to cut it, and you didn't. I still couldn't bring myself to yell back we're in a live studio. I did cut it, and Izzy read it and approved it, and she said you had too. And, and, and Rita's premiere is going on over there in that sort of direction. Maybe you should yell at me closer to the assignment desk, maybe? I don't give a crap. If Izzy approved it, then she's an ass. And I can't trust her. I can't trust you. You're all idiots. I can't believe you did this to me. I'm trying to get Rita's show off the ground, and you start talking about spitting blood into a garbage can. Well, now I was getting angry. I couldn't resist. Yes, Rita is, in fact, live and direct from that desk right over there. And if you'll notice, she keeps looking over here at us, wondering why you are yelling during the first minutes of her first show. So why don't we move over here, Rick? I began to move away from him. And we're walking away from the live mics. And, and we're walking. And we're walking. And Rick and Keith are walking because the noise isn't really professional. Well, we're not talking professionals, are we? We're talking idiots. We were walking, and he was still screaming. You're idiots. I will never trust you again. He had begun to trot or stumble or whatever he was doing. This is not over. I will pay you back, self-serving garbage. I will get you, and I'll get that a-hole Izzy for not staying here and reading that script. How many times did you intend to say spit blood into a garbage can before I stopped you? I now realized what he thought had happened as he had gestured spasmodically at me while he stood next to my camera. I briefly let my focus shift to amazement at the fact that this guy who had been in TV news for 25 years knew almost nothing about how TV worked. I explained to him that Izzy and one of her assistants and I had gone over the script several times and taken out half of the gorier references. Then they suck at television! And since I can't trust anybody here, since they won't stand up to you and edit the script since you obviously bullied them... He balled up his fist and stomped his foot on the floor as he called me a bully. I'm now going to have to approve every piece of your copy. By this point, I was backing into the countdown work area with its array of desks and all the producers Kaplan had just insulted. I knew one of them would dial the phone when I said, call the cops and call this lunatic's boss. Did you hear me? And if you don't like it and you don't want to come into work tomorrow, that's fine too. I never did get that part. But now I had him. I crossed my arms in front of my chest slowly, like you have seen every news anchor do in every television news promo ever shown in the history of the world. I flashed as evil a slow-mo smile as I could. Oh, I'll be here tomorrow. And then I made a sweeping gesture back towards my staff, who were both, of course, literally and figuratively behind me. And so will all of them. Suddenly, at that point, for no apparent reason, Rick Kaplan's hysterics were replaced by mere confusion. He even stopped huffing. At almost normal volume, he asked me, All of who? Only at this point did I turn around to discover that my entire staff had already left the building. There was nobody there behind me. Of course there was nobody there. Izzy Povich told me later. He went into the control room and threatened all of them first. So we got on the phone back to the office to tell everybody to get the hell out of the building. She paused and laughed. I mean, we love you, but we're not crazy. Rick Kaplan's exorcism was a brief one. He began screaming again. I'm going to end your career tomorrow. I'm going to completely F you up. 
He turned and stumbled away from my office. Good luck sleeping tonight! I slept like a stone. And not because Kaplan had previously threatened to fire me for not leaving my father's bedside after what they thought was a heart attack to fly to L.A. to appear on The Tonight Show, and not because he'd once threatened to fire me because he didn't like my tie, and not because he had previously threatened to fire me for not doing something during live coverage that I had already done, but he thought we hadn't done because he was watching us not live, but on delay on his DVR, president of a network, and I slept beautifully, not because I correctly guessed this would be it for Rick Kaplan, and it was. The next day, Human Resources forced him to apologize to me, and 10 months later, his bosses fired him. Nor did I snooze blessedly because of any bravery or stoicism or fatalism on my part, but I slept well simply because of the realization that even after all of this, Rick Kaplan was still only the second or third craziest MSNBC executive I had ever worked for. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thanks for listening. Countdown has come to you from the studios of the Olderman Broadcasting Empire and Throat Treatment Center. The music you heard was, for the most part, arranged, produced, and performed by Countdown Musical Directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. Brian Ray handled the guitars, bass, and drums. John Philip Chanel did the orchestration and keyboards. And it was produced by TKO Brothers. Other music, including our Beethoven tunes, were arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music is courtesy of ESPN Inc., and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, and we call it the Olderman theme from ESPN2. Our satirical and pithy musical comments are from Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today making his debut was Dennis Leary. Thank you, Dennis. Everything else is pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 988th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Convict him now while we still can. The next scheduled Countdown is tomorrow, if my throat permits. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.